0: good morning welcome to i don't know what i want to do i'm sanjay parker and i interview people with real jobs in order to inform you the listener what kind of real jobs there are today we are speaking with sujata berry sujata is a radio producer for the cbc She's produced a number of programs, including The Current and The National, and is currently working on a show called White Coat, Black Art. Hi, Sejana.
1: Hi, how are you, Sanjay?
0: I'm great. How are you doing this morning?
1: I'm fantastic. Thank you.
0: Uh, well, Sojana, most people know what the CBC is, but can you quickly just summarize what it is that you guys do?
1: Sure. The CBC is a public broadcaster, and it's a massive organization uh, that uh, goes across the country. I think we've got something like hmm, 24 locations across the country. We broadcast from coast to coast and all platforms. So digital, radio, TV, digital is getting bigger. Uh, We have uh, national news, current affairs, uh, music streams, you name it, we do it.
0: Wow, that's a lot. And you specialize in the radio aspect of this.
1: Uh, at the moment, yes. I'm in uh, what is called the Radio Current Affairs Department. And so I worked, as you mentioned, on The Current. And right now I'm on a show called White Coat Black Art that uh, that basically covers uh, the culture of healthcare. Uh, so we look at uh, uh, issues around healthcare, and our host is an ER physician um, uh, by the name of Dr. Brian Goldman, and that's the show I'm working on right now.
0: Okay, so as a radio producer, what is your involvement in the show, since, you know, I think a lot of people think of the producer as uh, an editor or the host, but that's clearly not what you do.
1: Yes, so I am uh, the behind the scenes glue that makes the show happen, (laughs) let's put it that way. Uh, So producers are kind of the invisible hand that uh, pitches stories, um, gets guests, writes scripts. Uh, We are often recording our own stuff during the pandemic because we're working from home. We edit the material, and then we package the show. So that's the mixing of the show where we bring all the elements together. We do the research. Um, So basically, the host uh, is the person who's the sieve for all my work. (laughs) The host is the person that the public sees. But I have a lot of input in what the host says or does when the person is uh, doing the story. So the way our workflow is, uh, we meet uh, because we're a weekly show. We go to air once a week on the weekends. uh, And you guys should check it out. because It's a great show. Um, And basically what we do is we meet at the beginning of the week and we pitch ideas uh, based on what's going on in the world. We come up with ideas and we have a discussion about them and we select which ones we want to move ahead with. Some we move ahead with right away during the pandemic because of COVID. We've been super busy with very fast turnaround, which is unusual for us. Often we'll do stuff that's in the zeitgeist that we want to get to. Um, So uh, once your story is approved, you find people to interview for the story and you come up with a proposal how to do it. We meet again. Uh, let's say it's a fast turnaround, Uh, you pitch your guests uh, and and then once everybody's in agreement that this is the way to move forward, uh, I write the research, uh, which is the pre-interview I've done. I write the script for the host. Uh, The senior producer vets the script just to get a second set of eyes, make some suggestions. And then uh, we record it. And once it's recorded, while it's being recorded, I work with the host because the host has a lot to do uh, in terms of performance, as well as, uh, uh, you know, keeping track of everything. So I'm a second set of ears during the interview, uh, where I listen and I make suggestions uh, as the interview is going on. And, you know, little prompts for maybe follow-ups that uh, would be helpful or maybe a question's been missed that I think is important to get to. And then once the interview is done, I take the material and I edit it for time. Um, our interviews typically run a little longer. We, our show is only 26 minutes and 30 seconds on here. And we often have... Two to three interviews on our show, and our uh, interviews typically run anywhere from twenty-five to forty minutes, depending on you know once you get the hellos, all of that stuff done. Uh, so you, I edited down to sort of a manageable length, which is about seven to ten minutes on air per interview, and uh, and then. I deliver that to the host with uh, suggestions for a script and a structure for how to put it together, uh, with relevant facts for the script that need to be included that may not have been in the interview. And then the host writes it, and I get to mix it. So I put it all together with music at the top. There's a format we use. So that's basically, and then you upload everything to our servers so that it goes out into the world.
0: Wow, that's that's a lot you have to do. So let's let's take a step backwards and let's look into your past a little bit, Sujata. So I know you did a bachelor's in poly science, and then you did a master's in journalism. How important do you think that education was to not only the role you have now, but the path that it took you to get to where you are?
1: Um, yeah, I think it was fundamental. I mean, I graduated... From bachelor degree, not knowing what I wanted to do because it was your classic liberal arts degree. And I had no idea, like, honestly, no clue. Like it's a it's a very common problem. And, uh, you know, I had a job in my last of my bachelor's degree where I was basically working as a filing clerk in a law firm. And I continued doing that. I transitioned from doing it once a week to doing it full-time until I basically organized their entire filing system. So I ran out of work. And then I was like, well, what do I do now? And, and so I really had to dig deep and say, well, what do I want? What do I enjoy? What did I have fun doing in my undergrad years that I would like to pursue, because I knew I needed to get more training, more education in order to actually come up with a career. And fortunately, I had written for the university newspaper, and I loved it. I mean, I had so much fun doing it, and I thought, well, maybe I'll just do journalism. But I had no clue. I didn't know anyone who was a journalist. I did not have the nerve to pick up the phone and ask somebody about journalism in those days. So I thought, okay, I'm just gonna apply to do a master's program. I'm gonna go to the next step. I'm gonna get trained to be a journalist. So I applied. I, my, uh, well, I basically applied to journalism school, the, the only two master's programs in journalism in those days. And I got accepted at one and got put on a waiting list of the other. So I accepted one that took me and I my, uh, went on a vacation, came back and went to journalism school for two years. And it was... A fantastic decision, because not only did it give me uh, the skills, uh, but it taught me how to think about storytelling. And it taught me about the, the ethics of journalism, about when you're taking someone's story, the considerations you have. And so much of journalism is what your life experience is you bring to journalism who you are as a person and how you treat people and the kind of stories you pursue. So that is a big part of who you are as a person. So I was really grateful because journalism just journalism school taught me how to think about stuff. I learned a lot of stuff once I started journalism because the technology... Has changed so dramatically. Like, you know, when I was in journalism school, I didn't have an email account until a friend taught me how to get, a, you know, Yahoo account. I think it was mm-hmm. was my no. Did I have a Hotmail account? I can't remember. I think I had a Yahoo account was my first account. My friend helped me set up. And so think about that. And in the almost thirty years that I've been in journalism, we've gone through. So many changes in technology. The first cell phone I had was like five years into my journalism career. And it was the size of a suitcase or a small, you know. And now we do everything on our phones from recording to emailing to whatever. So the technology, you're constantly learning on the job and you constantly have to keep up. So the what they teach you for technology in journalism school is Whatever, like you learn it and you have to learn to go with it. But how you think about things, that doesn't change. The You evolve, but the fundamentals always remain the same. Storytelling always has an arc.
0: So you, oh. you mentioned how in school, one of the biggest things you learned was critical thinking. Can you speak to some of the other skills that you learned outside of school and how that knowledge came to come, like how you actually earned that knowledge?
1: Well, a lot of it is by doing. I think uh, I was really fortunate that I walked out of journalism and into a job at the CBC as a researcher in news. I was thrown in at the deep end. Because, you know, you walk into a very busy national newsroom. It's a very intimidating place with a lot of people barking at each other. And, you know, like uh, they're very in those days they were very brusque and uh, it was very old school. Like if you watch movies about uh, Watergate, it was kind of like very old school, you know, like. I learned from, they just basically had me shadow another person who had my job and that person taught me and you learn to cold call people. You learn to, you learn to figure out what are the top stories you want to pursue. You learn to, uh, like when you wake up in the morning, you listen to World Report, which is our national radio program and you kind of know what the top stories are and you read the papers and you scan the news and you say, okay, fine, I'm prepared for the day. And then you go to work and you pitch and you're thrown into whatever it is. And then you chase, you chase it down. You find the right people to tell that story. And so the 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 skills I learned were how to do an interview, how to write a script, how to structure a story, how to get rid of the extraneous stuff. Like, think about it. You, When you're doing a TV story, in when I started, TV stories would be two to three minutes long. Now, TV stories are barely a minute 30. So you do an interview with someone, and let's say you do five questions, 15 minutes, you know, let's say you do that. Well, you have to crunch that down into a 30-second clip and still make sense of all the 15 minutes of the person. So to be true to that person you have to crunch down what they said to a 15 second clip. You go into the story what it is that you are trying to get at and that's a skill. Focusing a story is really important, being organized super important, especially if you're working on daily news.
0: So when you're editing these long recordings whether it's 5 minutes or 15 What are you looking for in terms of the content you want to keep and also the content you want to cut?
1: I think it comes down to focus. You keep the most salient part. So it's kind of like when you think of a photo, a photo has a caption. So you get a lot of information from the photo about what somebody is doing or the video of what somebody is doing. What you need to explain is why they're doing it. So I think that that's how, you, that's how you determine. There's a lot of information I can give you, but the opinion or the point of view that that person brings is the essence of why they're in your story. Because I can give you all the information. I can glean all that. But if I have to attribute it to a particular point of view, then that's where I need the clip.
0: Okay, so we've talked a bit about the past now. Let's now pivot and talk about the future. So how do you see the future of radio uh, in conjoinment with the future of podcasts?
1: Well, I think that the the, the two are interconnected, and they both have a very bright future, as far as I can tell. Uh, I know that CBC Radio has been doing exceptionally well. There's been a lot of innovation with new shows being uh, created on a regular basis there's a lot of rejuvenation of the radio programs there's classic properties like as it happens and the current that are kind of anchors to the day but then you know and you've got your morning ra- uh, morning drive in shows when people used to drive but they listen at home now and the afternoon drive home shows those are kind of basics but then around that there's a lot of innovation going on in how we uh, approach radio programs. Um, and I, I and I think that's very exciting. And uh, there's a lot of new voices that are coming through as a result of that. And it's making CDC more accessible and more diverse, which is fantastic. In terms of podcasting, I think that that has a symbiotic relationship with radio and its success right now and um podcasting has just made audio programming that much more accessible to everyone so most radio shows on cbc have a podcast but then there's a whole podcasting division that's emerged podcasting can be a limited engagement you don't have to invest a whole lot to come up with a six series podcast Who knows something can take a limited, uh, uh, approach to, uh, creating uh true crime stories. Right. So it's like you get a set number of episodes, so it doesn't have to be an ongoing thing and you can pivot a lot faster with a limited series than you can creating uh, a show that goes on for a year or, or longer. Right. So I think that there's a lot of synergies with the both and but both are doing very well and i think it's something that's only bound to grow at this stage
0: and at the beginning of this podcast you also spoke about how uh, CBTC runs a variety of different platforms and how the digital side is perhaps the fastest growing can you speak to why that is and what the digital side kind of includes
1: yeah As a national broadcaster that's funded by taxpayer dollars, we have a mandate to be where our audience is at. And our audience is, as we develop a younger audience, they're increasingly a digital audience. So they're not listening to live broadcasts. They're listening to podcasts of our programs. And so we have a mandate as a public broadcaster to... Uh, to be where our audience is at, to deliver programming for them. Uh, so that is the fastest point because that's where the audience is moving to. Um, so we've had a huge growth of that. I mean, as I said at the beginning, we, we didn't have email use when I first graduated from journalism school. So, you know, like the fact that we are now... Um, kind of doing everything digitally and as we become a bigger digital society, we have to find ways to deliver information on that source. Now, is Snapchat going to last forever? Who knows? We don't know. If Snapchat stops being relevant, that team will be disbanded and we'll put together whatever the next place where our audience moves to. So I think there's that, but then there's the whole entertainment side and music side. So on the music side, we have multiple uh, music streams uh, for every taste that you can stream basically all day long. So uh, a lot of that is based on our mandate, but I think there's digital side is definitely exploding.
0: So you also mentioned that we were having this new kind of target demographic, which is the younger generation, which makes sense. And that they kind of prefer, for example, podcasts as opposed to live streaming. Are you noticing other preferences that they have that are different to what you're used to, for example, are they used to a different length of content?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I can, I, what I can say is that the, Items have definitely gotten shorter, and it's not just because of younger people, it's because of the nature of where our audience has gone. That's just the focus grouping that has come through. And I think everything has gotten shorter. It's just trends, right?
0: There's a lot of great advice there, um, but we are almost out of time. So we're going to move on to a segment I like to call overrated versus underrated. (laughs) <laughs> this is just going to be a a quick fire thing. So I'm just going to give you a couple terms and then you tell me if you think it's overrated or underrated versus uh, compared to how you think your industry looks at it, okay? Okay. Okay, so the first one is short form or short series podcasts. So podcasts that are, you know, only six episodes long or so.
1: I think underrated.
0: I like those. Um master's degrees.
1: That's a hard one. (laughs) I'd say underrated because I really like people who are critical thinkers and I think you need to do that.
0: Mm -hmm. And last one, things like Clubhouse or Twitter spaces, which are these live uh, kind of talk shows.
1: Completely overrated. I don't even know what Clubhouse is, but I don't want (laughs)
0: to Don't even want to know. Okay, I like it. Um, what kind of people do you think should work in your industry? So I'm not talking about hosts. I'm talking about people who are behind the scenes. What kind of people should be looking to do that or try that out?
1: Well, I would say the answer is um, is varied in that, for starters, you need to be a flexible person. But most importantly, you need to be a curious person because Radio, unlike television, has a low entry point resource-wise. So you can do a story about anything you're curious about. You can make a show about anything, and that's the flexibility of radio. So I think if you're a curious person who likes to tell stories, who enjoys talking to people, who... Um, Who wants to share that knowledge with people, that's the kind of person that does well in this job because you can tailor that curiosity to whatever format or show that you're thrown into. But if you're not curious and you don't enjoy connecting with other people, you're not going to be successful at this job. I find especially when you get into radio current affairs, radio news is a little different, but radio current affairs and podcasting, you need to come at something in a unique way. And that is only through the lens through which the producer views that story. So you've got to come up with that lens. I never go at a story straight up. I always go at it sideways because the straight up story is already in the newscast. You don't need me to tell you, repeat that information what am I offering you? What is the angle? What is the perspective that is going to be different that I bring to that story that will actually help enlighten the listener with that information? So that's what I see as the really important fact that people need to think about.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. And last question for you, Sajada. This podcast is about educating people about potential jobs and career paths. What is a job that you think is really interesting that you just don't think enough people know about? You can't say radio producer.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, There are jobs that people don't know about. So there are things on the technical side that people don't know about. So in television, we have this really, it's called like a super tech position. Uh, And that's a person who's replaced like basically 10 different people's jobs and sits in a studio working remote cameras uh, in a studio halfway across the country to run a newscast. That's an amazing job. It's a super complex. It's like landing a plane while being blindfolded. You know, that's a job that completely baffles me. The people who do it are amazing at it. And uh, I don't think most people know about it. So Um, that's that's what I would say.
0: That's called a super tech?
1: Yeah, it's like a super tech uh, director uh, switcher. Operator, I think that's the term, that the, the technical term that we use is director oper- operator, but they're essentially a super tech because we've gone to remote studios now so that the local news camps used to have a control room with like a director, uh, you know, camera person, somebody who did captions and all of that. So there was like about five different positions that were in the in the local newsroom. Now, that's done from a couple of locations across the country. I think Toronto is one of those locations where you've got somebody who sits in a room with like a couple of computers. Uh, the captions are done automatically, but they basically run all the technical stuff for the podcast is done by this one person, where they basically remotely move the cameras, the angles, all of that stuff is done by this one person halfway across the country.
0: Wow, sounds like fun. Sujata, thanks so much for coming on, answering my questions, informing us about what you do. Where can the listeners find you and your stuff and get in touch?
1: So the show that I work for is called White Coat Black Art. And you can find the website at www.cbc.ca backslash that's where you'll find my work and uh, the work I do. And I'm on Twitter at Sujata Barry. Uh And um, yeah, that's where you can find me.
0: Amazing. And all those links will be in the show notes. Listener, thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch, text me at 647-400-3212 with any comments, ideas, or suggestions. Next week, we're going to talk to someone about something else. But until then... Thank you and get home safe.